Good morning. So I'm following this month's theme, Living as Compassionate Conduits. And last week, the first week, I talked about uh, being plugged in, right? And I know today's talk was to be turned on, but I'm switching it up on you. I'm messing with you this morning because I'm going to go to the next topic, which is really tune in, because I thought it was much more appropriate for this week because we were tuning in this week, weren't we? We really, really were. And so I'm just going to switch it up. We'll talk about being turned on next <laughs> We'll talk about being turned on next week. It's okay. Don't worry about it. <clears throat> Tuning in is what I want to talk about today because it's about everything to do with the frequency that you are dialing into and what it is doing to you and for you. So I'm going to go out on a limb here, okay, and just assume we've all heard about the election. <laughs> I know, right? Okay, look, we, I, know, <laughs> I know that we've all been tuning into it all week long. That's why I changed the the talk titles up. So depending on who you voted for, the result is good news or not so good news, right? I mean, that's really what it's about. Some of us are celebrating, some of us are grieving. There are highs and there are lows. And this is the very thing I'm talking about today, right? The tuning in part. What frequency are you tuning into? What vibration have you made yourself a match for by your thoughts and by your feelings and by the emotions that you're resonating with, that you're stewing in, right? This is what we're talking about because, because what we know is what we align with, we attract into our experience. We attract more of that. So the idea is what are we going to choose for our lives? What are we going to tune into, right? Are we going to be the light or are we going to be the shadow? Because really, that's our choice, right? Are we going to stay in our highest and best affirmational side of life? Or are we going to go into the fear and loathing assumptions? Because we're always at choice. What are we tuning into? Ernest Holmes, in uh, a Help for Today, he said this, Let us therefore light the candle of love, human kindness, forgiveness, and understanding in our soul, and let it shine brightly. Let us not peer into the darkness, troubled and concerned, because it is so foreboding and unknown. Rather, let us remain steadfast in the radiance of spiritual light of truth within ourselves. Let us stand guard so that the winds of malice, cross-purpose, ignorance, and misunderstanding will not blow out our light. Let us live each day that the light from our candle of spiritual knowledge be forever clear and understood, not only by ourselves, but by all in, with whom we come into contact. So that's our choice, right? We get to be the light. We get to be the light in our own lives. And as we do that, as we tune into that frequency of unconditional love and we shine brightly, we change not only our life, but the lives of people around us. So this is our choice. Are you going to be the light or are you going to be the shadow? Where are we going to spend our emotional currency? Where are you going to send your energy? You know, it's like buying something at the store. Where are you going to spend your energy? You know, where do you spend your money when you go to the store? What are you going to buy? Because we make a statement every time we pay for something, right? We're saying, I want that right? I want that. I'm willing to pay for that. 
I'm willing to exchange my precious time and the resources that I receive from spending my precious time for that. And when we buy something, what we're saying is, I want more of that. When we plunk down our money for two tickets to a scary movie, right, a slasher film, what we're saying is, I like that stuff. I want to be scared. I want to see more of that, right? And we can say the same thing if we, if we put our money down to a romantic comedy, too. It's the same thing. What we're saying is, I like that, I want that, I want more of that. It's the same thing. Where we put our money is making a statement. Where we put our attention is making a statement. We pay attention, right? Isn't that the expression? We pay attention. So we're paying for that thing. And so the things we resonate with, we attract more of them into our experience, right? So going back to the election part of all of this thing, I'm not saying that your consciousness, specifically you, you know, you out there, that your consciousness caused the outcome of the election, right? It was human race consciousness blowing across the country. It was human race consciousness. It was this group thing, right? This universal subjective consciousness that flowed through the country doing what it does. So no one person, can take the responsibility or the blame, depending on how you look at it, right? Depending on which side of the thing you're on. But no one person can take the blame or the responsibility for the outcome of the election. What I am saying is now that it's been called, how are you going to internalize it? How are you going to internalize it? What are those feelings? Where are you going to send your energy? What are you going to do about it? How are you going to resonate in, in this thing, right? In this reality. How are, how are we going to move forward? And in what consciousness will we move forward? How do we look out on the country with this change that occurred? You know, political campaigns in this country, I gotta tell you, they have been fear fests for like the, the last several election cycles that I, I'm like really closely familiar with. But you know, really basically from the beginning of the country, They've been like this. And, and you know, and, I, and I'm not kidding. Even, even George Washington. Okay, so the first two elections were kind of mellow, you know, kind of, kind of, it wasn't that much, you know, controversy. But, but George Washington did say this. He, he said he complained he had to endure more, ta more attacks than Emperor Nero did. So apparently there were some dirty tricks even back then, even at the very founding of the country. So, so let me take you way back for a second here. Let's go back to 1800. Thomas Jefferson's supporters called John Adams a monarchist. <gasps> oh my God, you know, and that was like absolutely the worst thing you could call somebody at the birth of a new country, right, was a monarchist because that's what we fought a whole revolutionary war to get away from. Absolutely the worst thing you could have called somebody back then. And it wasn't true either, right? It was not true. It was a lie. Well, Adam's supporters called Jefferson an atheist, which was almost as bad back then, right? Also, not true. But this has been going on forever. 1884 was even worse. The Republicans absolutely crucified the Democratic candidate Grover Cleveland, calling him a lecherous beast and a moral leper. 
God, I love it. Anyway, because he had once fathered, well, it was alleged that he had fathered a child out of marriage and was supporting it like kind of on the sly, right? And that resulted in the old famous uh, Republican chant, Mama, where's my pa, right? Which you can hear, can't you? Lock her up, lock her up, same sort of thing, you know? These chants that go on in the groups. So to which the Cleveland supporters would respond, gone to the White House, ha, 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 you know, because he won the election. So there you go. This stuff has been going on forever. 1828, 1828, candidate Andrew Jackson was called a murderer Good Lord. They said his mother was a prostitute and his wife was an adulteress. That was some kind of campaign, wasn't it? Some kind of presidential campaign. 1876, Democrats claimed that Rutherford B. Hayes shot and wounded his own mother in a drunken fit of insanity. <laughs> you gotta love this stuff. So this has been going on forever. Politics in the United States is a blood sport. That's what it is, and apparently it has been going on since the beginning of the country. Now, what I know about these last several, you know, cycles is that they stoke fear in folks to manipulate them to vote out of a sense of fear. That's what it's all about. That is what the manipulation is. It is a strategy, folks. It is just a strategy to gain votes. So. The question I'm asking here is, are we going to move forward in this, in this consciousness now? Are we going to move forward in the consciousness of fear or faith? That's the choice. What are you going to tune into? That is our choice. You know, we heard a lot of talk during this campaign, right? I mean, there was a lot of that same back and forth, like I just talked about in the history, you know, the history of campaigns. There was a tremendous amount of, of fear talk back and forth in both of these campaigns. Biden's going to raise your taxes. Trump is going to take your rights away. Biden is going to ruin your neighborhood. Trump is going to destroy Social Security. All things were said to make you afraid. All of those things, they went on and on and on. And whoever could scare us the most would get our vote. That's what the strategy is. Whoever can scare us the most can get us our vote, right? This is not who we are. This is not who we are. That's living in the shadow. We're not that. We are not that. Ernest Holmes said that we are for something and against nothing. He said it in that beautiful and brilliant sermon by the sea in a, in a Silomar in 1959. And I'm going to quote from Actually, here's the, because we always talk about that. We always say he's for something but against nothing. But let me tell you the exact words. He said, find me one person who is for something and against nothing, who is redeemed enough not to condemn others out of the burden of his soul, and I will find another savior, another Jesus, another exalted human being. Find me one person who is no longer any fear of the universe, or of God, or of man, or of anything else, and you will have brought to me someone in whose presence we may sit, and fear shall vanish as the clouds before the sunlight. Find me one person who has redeemed his own soul, and he shall become my redeemer. 
Find me someone who has given all he has in love, without morbidity, and I will have found the lover of my soul. Is this not true? Because he will have revealed to me the nature of God and proved to me the possibility of all human souls. This is what religious science stands for. That's what he said. This is what religious science stands for. This is what I'm talking about. Where are we going to put our attention? What are we going to tune into? Pay our attention to what? Pay our attention to what? Are we going to pay our attention in the form of our, our life's energy to the light or to the shadow? To the truth or to the illusion? To the faith or to the fear? What frequency are we tuning into? Because we have the control. It is up to us. Our finger is on the dial or the button or whatever your you know, thing is, <laughs> right? It is our choice all the time to look toward the light or to stand in the shadows and complain about the darkness. We decide whether we will be ruled over by fear or stand firmly in faith. What are we going to tune into? That's your choice. Regardless of whether your candidate lost or won, it is up to us to know God right in the middle of it. Democratic candidate is not going to save us. The Republican candidate is not going to save us. We save ourselves. We are the ones we have been waiting for. We are the ones that change our lives by changing our thinking. We all, want, we all want what Joel Goldsmith wrote. In the book, The Government of Eden, he, he wrote, a state of complete peace and harmony, a state in which we are not at war with one another, but in love with one another, a state in which we do not want to deprive others, but share and give to others. This is what we all want. We all want the same things. We all have really, really different ideas on how to get there. But we all want the same things. It is not all lost, right? It is not all lost because one candidate won over the other. You know, this whole political process is a zero-sum game. There's got to be a winner. Well, that means that there's got to be a loser. But really, we only all win when we work together. We have to, have to, you know, what in the Bible, right, turn the, the swords into plowshares. We have to work together. We have to work together. And, and, you know, elections work by having winners and losers. One wins, one doesn't, right? But it is up to us to find the gift in, in the condition. It's up to us to find the gift right here, right now, in what has transpired and go from there. To see the world in a state of grace, because spirit is in charge and all is well. And that's what we know. Spirit is in charge and all is well. When we keep seeing the good, when we keep moving toward the good, you know, thank you, Emma Curtis Hopkins, right? Everything living seeks its good, right? The worms in the dirt, she said, the worms in the dirt, they, they, they move toward their good. The sunflowers that grow, they turn their faces toward the sun. They move toward their good. Everything moves toward their good, making that good manifest. This is what we do. 
And, and doing it together blesses everyone. That is being for something and against nothing. I want to go back to that sermon by the sea because Ernest Holmes went on. He said, find me one person who can get his littleness out of the way and he shall reveal to me the immeasurable magnitude of the universe in which I live. Find me one person who knows how to talk to God, really, <laughs> and I shall walk with him in the woods and everything that seems inanimate will respond. The leaves of the trees will clap their hands. The grass will grow soft under him. Find me one person who communes with cause and effect and in the evening, the evening star will sing to him and the darkness will turn into light. Through him, as the woman who touched the hem of the garment of the Christ was healed, I shall be healed forever of all loneliness. Find me someone who is no longer sad, whose memory has been redeemed from morbidity and I shall hear laughter. Find me someone whose song is really celestial because it is the outburst of the cosmic urge to sing and I shall hear the music of the spheres. This is what religious science is tuned into. It is tuned into the voice of God. It is tuned into the music of the spheres, as Ernest Holmes said. This is our spiritual path to be for something and against nothing, to be those 12 disciples, to be those 70 people who changed the town, to be those 200 who changed the outcome and the course of the world. This is who religious science is. This is what religious science is. It is the practice of the presence of God in our lives all the time, regardless of conditions regardless of outcomes, regardless of elections. It is our job. It is our calling. It is, it is our faith tradition to practice the presence of God in all things, in all ways, through all conditions, and allowing that to inform us how to be in the world and not the other way around. We don't allow the conditions of the world to inform us how to be. We are religious science. We are the truth of spirit shining through us. We are the lights of the world. We are those lighthouses that stand tall and shine and transform not only our lives, but the lives of those around us with our truth, with the truth of spirit. And we know, we absolutely know, that as we change our thinking, we change our life. Not only our life, but the lives of people around us. Thank you. <laughs>